Today's podcast is, I think, a very interesting one. It happened when I returned from a mission for my church at the age of 21 years old to Lawndale, California, where I grew up. I was engaged, and I was going across the street to do laundry with my mother. And the little town I grew up in, I I actually grew up right off the cross streets of Hawthorne Boulevard and Manhattan Beach Boulevard. So it was a little gang town at the time I was there. A lot of Mexican gangs and uh, Latino gangs. Matter of fact, we had a gunfight on my street where two guys were killed uh, from two different gangs. They shot one guy on each gang. Just a very interesting little area. We didn't have a washer and dryer all growing up. Uh, It was kind of like a luxury item that we just weren't even really aware of, I don't think. We wouldn't have room in our little Cracker Jack box house if we if we did have one. So my mother used to go across the street to the laundromat and take care of business there. And we'd go with her occasionally because it wasn't always very safe in our neighborhood. And I was going across the street with her, with my fiance at the time. And I noticed three Arabic folks beating the crap out of a Latino kid who was not a kid, really. He was in his early 20s. And it was happening right in front of the laundromat, right outside of a gas station, which these these Arab gentlemen owned. So I went up to them and I pulled the Latino kid away from them because they were just beating the crap out of him. And I said, what's going on here? Stop. And then they screamed in uh, broken English that he had peed on their gas station, the side of the building. And then the Latino kid told me, he said, well, they wouldn't let me use the bathroom because I didn't buy gas. So this was kind of a very typical way that people get hurt or killed in those environments. You know, stupid issues that don't really have a lot of merit. And we do sometimes dumb things that cause to increase the violence of action from somebody else because we violate their moral code or their value system. And in this case, the value system and the moral code of these uh, Arab gentlemen was violated by this guy peeing on the side of their gas station. For the Latino guy, his moral code and value system was violated because he thinks he should be able to use their private bathroom, even if he doesn't buy gas. And so it, it became a fight, and I intervened. The thing that happened next was really the intense moment for me, and one that I've never forgotten. One of the Arabic gentlemen left and came back with a 357 Magnum. It was a three and a half inch barrel, stainless steel, big fat barrel. And I could actually see the rounds in the cylinder because that pistol eventually got pointed right in my face and pressed up against my nose. The guy who went and got the handgun put it in the Latino guy's face as I was holding him back and said, I'm going to kill you, man. And the Latino guy was screaming at him and This other guy's got these really crazy blue eyes, this Arab guy does. And he's just looking at him and telling him, I'm going to kill you. So I told the guy with the handgun, I said, put that away. Someone's going to get killed. And he turns it and puts it in my face and presses it up into my nose and pulls the hammer back. And I see the cylinder rotate and I see the big thick lead rounds inside the cylinder in slow motion, even to this day. And I looked at him with complete and absence of fear. 
and a determination to get him to change his path, not to escalate the violence because, you know, that doesn't really work when you have perhaps a pistol with a little bit of tension on the trigger that can send you into the next life. So I looked at him and I said, put that away before someone dies. And he didn't flinch. He just looked at me with his eyes and kept that gun in my nose. I didn't say another word and I took the Latino guy and I bear hugged him from behind, lifted him up and dragged him across the front of the laundromat to the street where I lived and put him down. And I said, you need to stay here. And he looked at me and he goes, well, my, my pride's been hurt. And I said, I said, brother, your Latino pride's going to be all over the asphalt here in a minute if you go back there. So we were able to de-escalate this. They did not pursue us with their handgun. I actually called the sheriff's department and the L.A. County sheriffs. The officer showed up and um, I told him I wanted to file a complaint that this guy had put a gun in my face. They were off their property, and you know, even if they were on their property, I don't think that's warranted. I'm not a, an attorney or a cop, so I really don't know. But the officer kind of blew me off. They looked for the handgun. They found it inside the gas station exactly as I had described it, and they really never did anything. I told my father, who was an LAPD officer, he had been on the job for, at that time, I think around almost 20 years and he was frustrated that the officers didn't do more about that. And he said, there's several violations here, you know, brandishing a firearm and potentially assault and all kinds of things. Um, so it, it kind of went away. The moral of the story for me is uh, my, my poor fiance at the time is sitting there from the San Diego area, kind of a nice area, looking at what's going on and kind of thinking, oh my gosh. My fiance is going to get killed today. So I kind of felt bad about that. But the moral of the story is if we decide to intervene, we have to be ever so careful that we don't become a victim. I'm not so sure I did the right thing, but I did what I would do. In hindsight, now that I know how very rapidly to remove firearms from people and to take people down more aggressively and quickly. I still don't know or think that I might have taken that handgun from him, but you never know. As I wrap up this podcast, this segment, there's a really important principle here too. And when I ran the Urban Warfare Center for over a decade, when soldiers and airmen, police, federal agents would come in, the first thing I would do is ask them a question. And I would say, how do you think you're going to do today? This program was a combat stress program generated, uh, significant amount of stress in a very short period of time. And then we would assess their performance in a firefight to see how they did. And a lot of them would not exactly know how to answer that. And I would tell them the way you're going to do, and this relates to the experience on the streets by the laundromat, depends on what you ate, your level of training, how much sleep you got. If you've been in a fight with somebody in your family and you're emotionally charged, what are the triggers that are going to stimulate a passive response or an aggressive response? The old adage that I used to always stress inside my shoot house was, is it important to do something if nobody's doing anything? Do we need to do something just because something needs to be done? And the answer is absolutely not. 
Any action could be the action that gets someone killed. Deliberate, precise, well thought out action based upon correct principles is the correct response. So I don't give the Londell laundromat gun in my face by the Arab gentleman who owned a gas station and the Latino kid who was offended as a good example of intervening. It was just what I did to try to intervene. And an underdog was being beat senselessly uh, by an overwhelming group of people. Then it escalated. So we don't really know at the beginning what's going to happen at the end. And that's why we have to mitigate that with good sound judgment. I hope you have a great day today. Jaeger, out.